So we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture we normally look at at Christmas time. So I thought I'd throw that in, into the mix in the middle of a hot July day. And so it's going to be Luke chapter 1 and verse 41. Luke chapter 1, verse 41. When I go into the, um, into the schools for assemblies, I, um, I can sometimes ask them, you know, has anyone got a friend? And I hope everyone puts their hands up because not everybody, not everyone does. <laughs> But I hope everyone, if I were to ask you here this morning, has everyone got a friend? I hope you'd all put your hand up. And I'd also ask them, what makes a good friend? And they'd come up with all kinds of things. So I'm going to ask you that same question. What makes a good friend? So? Loyalty, yeah. Loyalty. Someone who makes time for you. Yes, makes time for you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Who listens? Who listens? Yeah. That's Don't good. Judge. Don't judge. Yeah. Love Puts and trust. love and trust. That's good, isn't it? <coughs> Excuse me. If you're a spiritual friend, in other words, if you're another Christian. Um, there are certain features of that which are, if you like, beyond ordinary friendship um, and are really, in some ways, part of the work of God in people's lives. I want to look at that this morning because we see that evidence very clearly in Luke chapter 1 and verse 39, if you have it with your, in your Bible. So just going to read that and we're going to pray. At that time, Mary got ready and she hurried. Bear in mind she's pregnant. She's going to hurry about 70 to 80 miles to the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. She wanted to be with Elizabeth. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why you might think that's possible because she's part of the family, she's a cousin, um, but also um, because she's pregnant as well. But I think there's something more to it than that. I think there's a spiritual connectedness between Mary and Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, this is John the Baptist, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, note this, was filled with the Holy Spirit. In this connectedness, the moment that Mary speaks, Elizabeth receives something of the Spirit of God. There's something in that spiritual connectedness within that friendship and that, that way of being together. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises. Father God, we do thank you for this word and this event. And we would pray that you teach us how we can encourage each other, strengthen each other in the Lord, lay our lives before you for each other and commit our lives before you to each other. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, firstly, I want to talk about the spiritual connection. There's this connectedness, this harmony, bond, if you like, 
that takes place, a spiritual connection, people who you feel connected with, who are able to um, encourage you in the Lord, but also there's something about, either it's a ministry or a friend, that just imparts something of the Holy Spirit to you. And that's a really important part of having this fellowship amongst believers. Those people who, and you're one of them too for others, who can encourage but also impart something of the Spirit of God to people. And it may be that you might find that with certain ministries. I found that with with, um, one particular ministry. Anybody know or have heard of um, George Jeffries? Anybody have heard of George Jeffries? The George Jeffries was the founder of the uh, Pentecostal movement in England. And um, he was um, Welsh, and he was uh, a convert of the Welsh revival. Um, And in 1941, he held a series of of meetings um, at the Albert Hall, where he baptized a thousand converts a night. (laughs) This is quite serious serious evangelism going on here. Um, Most people may not have heard of George Jeffries. But um, I was listening to the story by Reinhard Bonke. Reinhard Bonke is a German evangelist you might know well. Um, and he was saying that at the end of a course that he was on in, in Wales, he got off um, a bus and he got on to uh, a series of buses that he was doing a little tour of London, bus tour of London. And as he was on one of the buses, he decided that he would just want to stretch his legs. So he got off at this random stop and thought, I'm just going to stretch my legs. And he decided to walk across one of the greens. And then he thought, I, I might just go a bit further, have a bit more of a stretch and just decided upon one road, didn't matter what road it was, just a single road, and he started walking down this road, and about halfway down the road, he just instinctively stopped, and he turned round, and the house that he was in front of had a sign on it which said, a blue plaque, which said, this is the home of George Jeffries. So he thought, that can't be George Jeffries, the founder of the Pentecostal movement in England. So I thought, it might be. So he banged on the door, and uh, George Jeffries' housekeeper came to the door, and she said, what? like that, because she wasn't very friendly. And, um, and he said, I'd like to see um, George Jeffries, please. Is it possible to see her? And she said, no, like that. Um, and then he sort of asked again, well, what is, and I've just got off the bus, and, and I know I'd love to be able to see George Jeffries, because he's the founder of the Pentecostal movement in the UK. Um, is it possible to see him? No, she said. And then he said, he heard this very aged, frail voice coming down from upstairs. Let him in, like that. And so he let him into the hallway, and George Jeffries got out of bed, and he was just making his way slowly down the, down, down the, the steps. And he got up to Reinhardt Bonk and he placed his hands on Reinhardt and started to pray for Reinhardt. And Reinhardt said that he just came under the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was so powerful and he fell on the floor. And he said he was so drunk in the Spirit, he can't even remember from this day how he made it way. he's made his way back to the bus stop. Um, but he felt there was this wonderful impartation of the Holy Spirit into his heart and life. And when he did that, He said he just knew that something had passed, if you like, from George Jeffries to him. He got on the train, went all the way back to, um, and the the boat, and then a train again, got all the way back to Hamburg, and he was met at the station by his father. And he met him at the station. Um, One of the first things his father said to him, he said, Reinhardt, have you heard the news? He said, no. He said, what is it? His father said, George Jeffries died last night. It passed on to him something of the Spirit of God. 
that was powerful. But the interesting thing is, when I saw that, when I heard that story, I was really impacted. I was really touched by the Spirit. And I find that I'm quite touched by the Spirit, by people who carry with them um, a, a kind of evangelistic anointing. I don't know why, but it just blesses me, and I know that. And, it, and it's one of those things, as you mature in the Christian faith, you will know that there are certain people with certain giftings and anointings that just touch you and strengthen you, and you do the same to them. And that connectedness in the Spirit is something we should work towards. It's something, as, as Elizabeth did, she hurried to Elizabeth because she knew, Mary knew, there was more to it than just a friend who's going to help her through that pregnancy. There was a spiritual connectedness that was taking place. If you've got your Bibles with you, 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 4. 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 4. Everyone gets to it first. You can shout out the number. I should give you the number, really. Should I make it easier for you? But that would be too easy, wouldn't it? 219. 19. 290. 290. Verse 18. Sorry, chapter 18, verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. In fact, in the Hebrew it says his spirit was knitted with David's. It was knitted together. There was this connection in the spirit. Yeah? You can find that. It's not just a connection humanly. There's a connection in the spirit. Jonathan and David had a connection in the spirit. From that day Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Now you don't have to just go on to, you don't have to look at this, but this is um, the calling of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 3 verse 19. Elijah went from there and found Elisha. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Doesn't even know what's happened in that connection. But there's a passing off, if you like, of this mantle from Elijah to Elisha. There's a spiritual connection. And we need to really pray for that and really seek it and really allow the Lord to use us in order to strengthen and encourage and connect with one another. Mary knew there was a spiritual connection with Elizabeth. She hurried off to be with her. It's really important that she had Elizabeth along her side during those months of pregnancy. And I tell you why, because of what happens next. The first thing that people do when they are connecting spiritually is they're able to confirm to one another 
what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's a really important thing in Christian friendship, confirming to one another what the Holy Spirit is doing in that person. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. In the 19th century, well, in fact, in 1900, um, there's a lot of people going to, many, many more people used to go to church in 1900 than they do today, <laughs> it's fair to say. Um, and the Bishop of Norwich decided that he was going to confirm a thousand people in one service. And so in order to do this, he instructed the church wardens to erect a plank that would go right across the church from one end to the other. And he said to them, construct this plank, and then once you've constructed it, I want you to cover it in purple and gold cloth. And then I want one of you to hold the plank this end, and the other one to hold the plank that end. And I'm going to place my hands on the middle of the plank. And as we go forward, they're going to bow. And as the plank passes over their heads, they're going to be confirmed. Can you imagine just not concentrating at the moment that that's coming over? <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to the neighbour the other day, you know, but it would just be coming slightly over. And that, as they bowed their heads, they, they were deemed confirmed in the, in the Church of England, you see, um, because it, they, they didn't want to be there all day. And so they were, <laughs> you had to imagine that something was happening with him touching, if you like, the plank and it going over their heads. Can I just tell you, that's not confirmation. <laughs> confirmation is recognizing what the Holy Spirit is doing in a believer's life. That's what confirmation is. Now, the bishop will do that in a confirmation service. He's recognizing what the Holy Spirit's doing in somebody's life, but we can all confirm one another. We can all do that. Notice what happens here. She says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. So one of the things that we need to do, not only finding that connection spiritually, but the other thing is we need to confirm to one another what the Holy Spirit's doing. We need to bless each other and encourage each other approve and, in, and reassure each other in the Lord. And that's a really important process. And the third thing is that there's a, a commendation, there's a disencouragement that takes place, and we really need that as Christians, and we need it in Christian friendship. We need to encourage and be in the business of encouraging, and not just giving one another a sort of pat on the back, but actually sensing what the Lord is saying and what the Lord is doing, and bringing that for one another, seeking after the Lord, and bringing it to one another. Notice what happens in verse 43. Mary asks a question. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I think that's a really important process, and I think that's why she hurries after Elizabeth, because Elizabeth can encourage her and she can commend her in this process, because it will be very difficult for her to process this. I think Elizabeth was actually quite important in the whole birth process, 
because she was coming alongside her with that spiritual support and covering that she needed. I remember a story which um, Tony Campolo tells about a businessman he knew um, in Chicago. And he used to get the train from the center of Chicago where he worked to the suburbs where he lived, which is quite a long journey because Chicago is a very spread out city. And um, one of the suburbs of Chicago is called, is called Calvary. This, is, this guy isn't a Christian. But as he's on the train, every time he'd come close to the, to the, to the station at Calvary, the guard on the, on the, sta- on the, on the, on the train would, would cry out. Um, he'd call out, Next stop, Calvary. <laughs> Anybody for Calvary? <laughs> no one got off at Calvary. Calvary wasn't a place you would want to get off at. It was quite a, a broken down place, broken, broken buildings and dirty streets and everything else. And, um, and this went on for a little bit. But he said, on one occasion, the guy called out, next stop, Calvary. And for some inexplicable reason, he said something resonated in his spirit. He isn't a Christian. Something just resonated in his spirit. And he just thought about it and just ignored it. But he knew what it meant. He knew that he was being called by God. And this isn't somebody who's a Christian. And the guard isn't a Christian. And he said a few days later, as he was approaching the stop at Calvary, one of the men in front of him in the carriage picked up his bags and he just took his bags up and he took them forward and stood in front of 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 the door, put his bags down, He turned, he looked straight at him, a complete stranger, straight into his eyes. And he said, are you coming? This is your stop. He didn't know him from Adam, just got off. He got off the train, stood on the platform at Calvary and gave his life to Christ because something had touched him from the Holy Spirit. And we need that encouragement. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit for each other. And just feeling what the Lord is saying. Encouraging one another. Developing each other in the Lord. You know, there are certain ministries in the Bible, we can find them, they're all over Scripture, where people are encouragers and strengtheners. And one of them is Barnabas. Now I want you to come to Acts chapter 11 with me and verse 22. Acts chapter 11 and verse 22. Barnabas was known as one of the great encouragers of the Christian faith and of the Christian church. One thousand and forty three. Acts chapter 11, verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. Acts 11, 22. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm in the wrong book. 1106. There we go. 1106. I've got 1105 here. Is it 1106? Brilliant. 1106. Acts chapter 11, 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad 
and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. This is the ministry of Barnabas, an encourager. I'm sure that he wasn't somebody who just encouraged. I'm sure he was able to sense what the Holy Spirit was doing in somebody's life, encourage them, confirm that, commend them in it, strengthen them in it. We need more than just kind words. Kind words are important. We need to minister to one another in the Spirit to strengthen each other and to develop each other and to nurture each other because the road we've taken is not an easy one. And I felt the Lord was saying that to us as we worship today. He's called us not onto a wide path, an easy path. He's called us onto a narrow one. And that's not easy, but we need each other and we need to cover each other and strengthen each other along the way. We're going to pray. We're good to pray for each other. Father God, we we're on this journey together. We're not alone. We're journeying together. And you've given us each other for this journey. And we pray that we would not just encourage but strengthen. Not just have our words but have yours too. We pray that we would not only think of but we pray for, nurture and strengthen one another on the way. Help us to help each other on this narrow path. That's not easy to, to navigate. It's not always easy to walk along. And when one of us is stronger than the other, because the other is tired or feels like wanting to stop, help us to take their hand and to keep them going and to strengthen each other. Help us also, Father, to be sensitive to your spirit, to those who do not know you. That we too might say to them, this is your stop. Are you coming? To be your instruments of grace. For those around us, both in the church family that we're part of, and our friends and colleagues and neighbours. Give us more than just our words. Let us see, open our eyes and let us see your spirit at work in each other. And help us, Lord. Help us to confirm that and commend it. And we want to pray for those around us I want to pray for this community. Pray for people who are 
in great need of you. And we've been lifting Hannah up to the Lord over the last week. But I want to pray for Hannah. She's 31 and she's um, the final end of life with cancer and two young children. And Father, we, we just want to pray, first of all, that, that, that sense of, of just despair sometimes because she knows that she's going to be leaving her child, children behind and they're going to be growing up without a mum. And I want to pray, Father, that first of all, that you, you put into her heart that sense that you will look after them. That she can place them into your hands and you will care for them. You will oversee them and watch over them. And give her a peace that passes understanding. A comfort beyond what we can know humanly. And to her family and husband and all of her wider family, we pray for peace. We pray for a sense, a tangible sense, that God is there. And not just there, but his heart is there. And when people say, where, where is God in a situation like this? Let them know, Lord, that yours is the first heart to break. Let them know that in this world of pain, you came and joined us because you care. And for all those around us, make us instruments of your grace and of your Holy Spirit that brings out, recognizes, celebrates all that you're doing in one another's lives. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.